Respectfully. 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 A melanated therapist. Welcome in and welcome home, family. I'm Dimitri. And I'm Rade. And this is Respectfully a Melanated Therapist podcast. Just a quick disclaimer, this is not therapy. We are just two people who are doing a podcast who happen to be therapists. The information in our podcast is for psychoeducation and entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of therapeutic resources, please feel free to contact us and we'll point you in the right direction. Before we kick off the show, let's talk a little bit about how you all can support us. If you would like to show support, please share our podcast on social media, tag at RespectfullyMT, rate the show, and write reviews just to let us know that you're listening and enjoying the show. Thanks, friend. So, all right, fam, our topic for today's episode is anxiety, right? So what is anxiety? Anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an impending event or something with an uncertain outcome. Now, it is important to note that everyone experiences anxiety, such as feeling nervous speaking in front of a group of people. However, when symptoms become overwhelming and persistent, often impacting everyday living, it may be an anxiety disorder, which is defined as a mental condition characterized by excessive apprehensiveness about real or perceived threats, such um, and often lead to avoiding behaviors and physical symptoms, such as an increased heart rate and muscle tension. Additionally, anxiety disorders are the most common mental health concern in the United States, with over 40 million adults in the U.S. having an anxiety disorder, and with over 4 million children aged 3 to 17 experiencing issues with anxiety each year. And in most cases, people do develop symptoms before the age of 21. Well, thank you for those devastating stats. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So although there are different types of anxiety disorders with unique forms, they all have one thing in common, persistent, excessive fear or worry in situations that are not threatening. So what are some of the different types of anxiety disorders? The first one that you all may know about is generalized anxiety, which is a mental condition characterized by excessive or unrealistic anxiety about two or more aspects of life, such as work, relationships or financial matters. Then there's social anxiety, which is a mental condition in which social interactions cause a persistent and irrational fear about being watched and judged by others. There's panic disorder, which is characterized by unexpected and repeated episodes of intense fear accompanied by physical symptoms such as heart palpitations and shortness of breath. Lastly, there is phobias, which is characterized by a persistent and excessive fear of an object or situation, such as agoraphobia, which is extreme or irrational fear of entering open or crowded spaces, of leaving one's own home, or being in places from which escape is difficult, such as an elevator. Yes. So now when we're thinking about the symptoms of anxiety disorders, you have emotional symptoms and physical symptoms. So some emotional symptoms include feelings of apprehension or dread, feeling tense or jumpy, restlessness or irritability, and anticipating the worst and being watchful of four signs of danger. So physical symptoms include pounding or racing heart and shortness of breath, sweating, tremors, and twitches, headaches, fatigue, and insomnia, or upset stomach, frequent urination, or diarrhea. Thank you for that. Okay, friends. So 
We know that everyone experiences anxiety on some level. However, do you have anxiety disorder? And if so, when did you become aware of it? And what does that experience look like for you? Oof. Okay, all Love in you. my business, I see. No, but... um. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so yes. So um, I have generalized anxiety disorder um, and a little mild social anxiety. So I first became aware of it in my early 20s, um, really identifying it as something being um, off. I'll use that quote unquote, Um, because, you know, I've always had difficulties, you know, getting nervous, you know, in public speaking situations, you know, when I was going through, you know, um, grade school. Um, But um, I kind of realized it was a little more than just being nervous um, because things like, um, you know, with generalized anxiety, the things that kind of trigger my anxiety in that way um, is work stress. relationship, my personal relationships, um, and finances. So actually all three of those things um, are actually, you know, give me anxiety if they're not balanced or if they're not going as smoothly as I would like. Um, With social anxiety, you know, it happens sometimes, not in all situations, but typically in situations where um, actually like going to a concert. and, you know, but typically, you know, it doesn't last that long because once the once the artist hit the stage, it's on and popping. It's a vibe. It's turn up, you know, but <laughs> but, um, you know, but that's an example of that. Um, but typically um, that's more on the mouth side. But general anxiety is the one that just kind of is rings true. And is the one that I experience the most and almost kind of on a daily basis um, sometimes. How about you? Well, I don't have an official diagnosis of an anxiety disorder, I don't think. Um, like, I don't, I, I've never had a therapist that told me, like, you have anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. However, I definitely see symptoms um, for myself. And I think I became pretty aware of them in high school. Mm-hmm. Um but I think in this moment, I, I kind of want to take this moment to say that anxiety disorder, I think, looks different for Black pe- black women, to say the least. I think it shows up a bit mm. different, differently. In what um, ways? In the ways of, like, it looking like irritability, trying to be completely controlling. Um, <laughs> mm. You know, and, and when I say controlling, I mean, like, a whole bunch of, like, overwatching your loved ones kind of thing, like helicoptering. Mm. Um, a lot of irritability, very short patience. Um, mm. and not to say that that's not how it could look for other people, but we also know that when black women are exhibiting those behaviors, they quote, look like the quote unquote angry black women bullcrap. So it's important to note, but I think that I became aware of it because, uh, of just being very short and very curt about things like, you know, if people were talking to me or things like that, because my brain is going a mile a minute. So like, I don't really have much to say about much to you because <laughs> like, whatever you need to say to me, I needed to be like exactly what you need to say. Cause I don't have much more space for other, anything other than that when I'm that anxious. Gotcha. Um, and I'm not saying that that is positive behavior, but it's not. But those are the negative symptoms <laughs> that I think I, I definitely experience, and I've known uh, other women to have as well. 
basically take my friend as she is. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Not even. And, you know, like, I feel super bad about it because, you know, that's not who I want to be. But here we are with anxiety. Um, And so the experience does look look like that a lot of the time for me. But it's because I will literally have a running to-do list in my head. Um, of all the things that I need to be doing. And while I'm doing some of the things I need, I'm thinking about all the other things I could be doing. Girl, get out of my head. Get out of my life, friend. (laughs) Where I wish I was at the moment, like at the beach or some shit, rather than doing what the fuck I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) And FYI, we are back to general speaking, not just Black women. So when I said... Very general. Very, very general. Um... (laughs) Very general. Um, I'm not. And the reason I was saying that is because I think when it is like, when I bring up the whole black women thing, I'm only naming that because I think it just can be perceived differently when it's coming from a black woman is what I'm getting oh, absolutely. at. Absolutely. Versus absolutely. like, if I see, I'm not even about to hold y'all. If I see a white lady acting that way, I kid you not. Some people might say, oh my God, she's just being really rude. Or, oh my God, she's really overwhelmed right now. Mm. With a black woman, you're more than likely to hear, she was rude as fuck. Oh, what's mm. she mad at? Or the angry you know, black like, woman. Right. <laughs> so, needless to say, I am speaking in very general terms. Um, you mentioned social anxiety. I had to question, okay, do I have social anxiety? No, I'm just an introvert. Um, but also, I definitely have noticed um anxiety around certain certain crowds when i don't mm-hmm. know what to expect or mm-hmm. um feeling as if i'm going to be judged anyway on like you know first impressions or or whatever it may have been just depending on where i know these people from or not um mm-hmm. long story short and generalized anxiety i think definitely exists it's by that running list the to-do list and not being able to i think keep a flow or stay present with what I'm doing, it creates a lot of anxiety for me. Also, this experience looked like lack of sleep. Um, I ruminate a lot when it comes to anxiety. And so I when I'm start having anxiety like episodes, because they are not just like a one day kind of thing. They typically last for a little while. Mm-hmm. I start getting less and less sleep at night. So mm-hmm. Good. I was actually, um, you kind of already kind of went into it. I was going to ask you, you know, of the, you know, emotional and physical symptoms that, you know, I discussed earlier, um, which ones, um, would you say you experienced, but you kind of just answered that. But, um, for me, cause anxiety does look different for everyone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just to go back to that part about the, we were speaking in general terms. The only reason I said that is because I mean, you're the expert. You are a Black woman, so you are an expert on what that looks like. But I was, when you were explaining some of the things that you experienced, like when you were on they the back general. end of that, okay. they were general. And I was oh, like, yeah. oh, I was like, friend, um, get out my head. So I just don't want any <laughs> of the people to say like, do he think he a Black woman? No, I don't. No, no, no. I don't. But no, um, <laughs> no but real talk, um, all jokes aside. So with me, it's some of the emotional symptoms that I experience um, with anxiety is um, feelings of apprehension um, or dread. And when Ooh, I, dread. The apprehension or dread is of the unknown, like mm-hmm. things that are unknown, like that just 
sends my anxiety through the roof. Like, Lord, what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. Should I do this? Should I not do this? It's just going to be what's best for me in the long run. Like all of these different things are playing, cycling through my mind. Um, Definitely feeling tense, um, restless and irritable, um, which then actually goes into some of my physical symptoms because feeling, you know, tense all the time or restless or irritable then leads me to ex- having headaches and mm-hmm. experiencing fatigue. Now, I don't wouldn't say that I experience um I do have, you know, it does upset stomach sometimes. Now, I don't experience insomnia, but I do experience sleep disturbances, meaning that I'll wake up out of my sleep a few times depending on how anxious I am or what's mm-hmm. on my plate. Um now with this that's generalized anxiety now with any anxiety disorder you know there you know it could be uh, onset through environmental factors it could be genetic or it can be a combination of both now with my generalized anxiety i feel like that's more genetic than anything but my social anxiety um although mild mild maybe mild to moderate um was definitely environmental So when I say Mm -hmm. environmental, meaning that I was brought up that, okay, you know, you don't look like what you're going through. So that Mm -hmm. means always put yourself together, keep yourself together. You act a certain way in public. You do this, you do that. It was just so many rules. So at that point, now I'm almost like military style. Well, you know, you got to be, you know, uh, flipping quarters off of beds and but you know but basically without <laughs> out of appearances and how I behave in public or you know how I carry myself um all of that was instilled in me but that also I feel like contributed to some of the social anxiety that I feel because like okay am I being presentable am I saying the right things am I being respectful am I being all of these things and ultimately ain't nobody judging me but me <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I mean, granted, some people may, but you ain't gonna say it to my face. So I don't know what you're thinking or what you're doing. <laughs> and that should be none of my damn concern. Right. Um, or none of any of yours for that matter. Uh, hello, uh, period. Mind your damn business <laughs> while I mind mine. But, you know, but I feel like that's where that particular um, aspect of my, my anxiety comes from because of, you know, part of my, my rearing was to be a certain, you know, to present myself in a certain way to the world, regardless of what I'm going through and based on the expectations that my um, caregivers had on how I should behave and the things that I should be doing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's interesting to hear the the different so it's interesting to hear how you can start at a very similar place and end up in different spa- uh, spaces as well right um because i think growing up it was all it you definitely are hearing a lot about how you present that's important mm-hmm. it um, is. it's important for you to present with a standard i think that is in general but i think that's how it's translated in life for me it's like okay this is a standard that you're holding yourself at to present this is not mm-hmm. me trying to be a perfectionist but this is also me trying to be my best self and right. trying to recognize that rather than turning into social anxiety don't get me wrong like i definitely consider how people feel about me or things like that which is why i think even the angry black woman thing came up because mm-hmm. just knowing how it pr- can be perceived creates a lot more anxiety because it's like i can't even feel my feelings right now because i got to worry about <laughs> you know somebody thinking i'm being an asshole or something like that and that's mm-hmm. the last thing i want right mm-hmm. um and that's not on anybody else but me that's definitely on that's definitely a me thing and me being able to work through that and being able to be present for myself in those moments. Um, and so even back to your question, 
outside of the insomnia, I definitely have sleep disturbances too. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the history, I have a history of chronic migraine, but um, that's since like stopped for uh past few years. We've talked about that on the show before, mm-hmm. but I know that Look I'm having God. like, I know, right. But <laughs> I know that, and it was all due to stress and empath life. Mm-hmm. No, there's oh, literally else. been times where uh, we were in our graduate program and Rade didn't come to school and was or go to work and she was literally in the bed all day because of her migraine. So days, okay. Like so that's four why days. I said that's why I said <laughs> look at God because right. I've seen it firsthand, like what it could do to her. And because it's real, but the other side of this is that now when I experience them, I know it's because I'm way too overwhelmed, stressed out, too anxious, and Mm -hmm. I need something needs to, for lack of better words, calm the fuck down. Um, (laughs) So, so like, um, I will start to get some headaches and they maybe will last a few days, but it's more like a headache and not like a migraine. Um, no shortness of breath, racing heart. Let me think. Um, oh, tension. Uh, like I literally, I hold a lot of tension in my shoulders, a lot of tension in my shoulders. And so like to the oh point God, that yes. it creates, yeah, like it, cre- it makes me feel like I have like a shoulder injury and it's literally mm-hmm. just stress. Mm-hmm. It's just stress. So, which is wild. Um, and I also notice I start to drink water less. Mm-hmm. Um, I start to eat less because my mind is so preoccupied that like I become a bit disoriented with like being able to take care of self. Mm-hmm. I'm just focused on getting the task done that like by the time I look up, you haven't eaten all day. And then my, and I'm probably so queasy or something that like, it's like, girl, what food, what, what else you got to do next? Like, <laughs> and I start to feel like you have to get these things done versus the self-care, including even, I, I will, of course, I will always shower. I can take a break for a shower, baby. But like food, <laughs> sleep, Drinking water, all that stuff starts to go out the window. And that's when I'm like, okay, something is up. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Hashtag self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, so, friend, when do you find that your anxiety is at its worst or difficult to manage? And what are some of the ways that you manage your anxiety? Um. So, most difficult to manage is when I have a lot on my plate or when I have very little on my plate. I'm not even about to hold you. Like I start to feel like, oh girl, you're not doing enough. Like same, <laughs> that same. when I have too little on my plate, um, because I like to stay busy. But um, once I have all of those things on my plate, mm, it's a catch twenty two. Trust me, I know. Seriously, such a mm-hmm. blessing and a curse. Like it's like, oh my god, I'm so thankful for all these things. But what the fuck? What's <laughs> like, I thinking I when I put all this stuff on my plate? <laughs> Like what? Who did I think I was? Like, <laughs> who did I think I Listen, was? Listen, oh, who the hell am I trying to be? <laughs> right? No, seriously. Because high key, and the answer to that is you thought you were you, and you trying to be you, which is mm. this is just you know part of who I am. But also because I want to do all these things, I'm not a one thing kind of girl like that's never me that, mm-hmm. and that never will be me I feel like my hands seem to be in different pots I feel like I always mm-hmm. need to be learning because I enjoy that mm-hmm. shit and right. I'm enthused by it and encouraged mm-hmm. and motivated by it but the other side of it is um anyway those are the times where it's most difficult um or when I start to notice very um huge strains in my relationships whether it's based on my behavior, the other person's behavior, or both, mm-hmm. or just lack of connection, I start to notice my anxiety 
going through the roof because I don't want to lose my loved ones. We've talked about this. I, um, I don't want to move through stages of grief by losing someone that's uh, close to me <clears throat> or feeling abandoned. So the ways that I manage this are by getting into my self-care bag, uh, taking more showers, praying more, <laughs> having a lot of water, trying to go on walks, um, massages, getting doing the other things that I said I like to do. Um, journaling is definitely a thing, checking in with my therapist. Um, but on my day-to-day, managing anxiety when I don't have like a whole bunch of outlets is journaling, maybe even taking a nap to slow down like my body to not be thinking for a second, um, create to-do lists that have five things or less for me to complete in a week span. Um, so I feel like it's achievable and also a lot more tea. Um, we talked about this before, but like drinking water, room temperature, water, hot tea helps slow down your body, um, your central nervous system a bit. Um, it teaches you to kind of subconsciously breathe through it. And more specifically, yoga and de-escalation, like guided meditations, really like Mm -hmm. doing those just to kind of reground myself because when I'm anxious, I'm like all the way up in the clouds and I I definitely need to get back down to like the present to recognize, okay, look at everything in front of you. So a lot of grounding, a lot of trying to reconnect with other people rather Mm -hmm. than be in my head about the shit I got to do or what's not working. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what about you? Good stuff. Good stuff. Retweet. All of that. So when my anxiety is at its worst is because I have a lot of shit on my plate and it's going back to that catch 22 because I like a lot of things on my plate because when I don't mm-hmm. have enough, um, a certain amount of things on my plate, then I feel like I'm being unproductive. I feel like I could be doing something to better myself or better my situation, um, which ultimately ends up kind of kicking me in the butt sometimes because I'll get so caught up in that routine that I'm not um taking care of myself as as best as I should. Um but out of all of my stressors, I would say the the top three, which are the ones that were kind of mentioned above, the top three are work, um, and then um finances and then um relationships. And relationships are the most important to me, but they're the last on the list because those out of all of those things, those are the easiest to maintain um throughout all the madness that's on my plate. Um I could do better in that area, but it's not um it, it's it's one of the easier ones to manage, like I said. But mm-hmm. You know, with work, um, what I notice is that um, I'm a very methodical and thorough and organized person. So, you know, when things happen outside of how I have planned my day, that throws me off and that increases my anxiety because I'm like, I'm supposed to do this. I need to do this, but now I have to do that, that and that. So Mm -hmm. how am I going to do that? that and that, and also do the stuff that I was supposed to, that I planned on doing today. So that creates a lot of anxiety. Um, When things are disorganized, um, inconsistent, that pushes my anxiety through the roof. But the main cause for, you know, me feeling when my anxiety is the most difficult to manage is when I'm literally all of the Life is lifing, and there's so many things that are swirling around me that are beyond my control that I have to accept are out of my control, and that's where all of that ex- that high severe anxiety comes in. Um, now, things that I do to manage my anxiety. So um, I do um, 
take a medication for anxiety, um, and it does help. Um, one thing that um, I will say, you know, everybody's not a um, an advocate for medication, but one thing about medication, medication is not unless you have a more severe disorder, but um, meaning like, you know, like schizophrenia or something like that. Um, medication is not a, a death sentence or a life sentence. It does not mean you have to take it for the rest of your life. You know, the point of medication is to help stabilize you or get you to a place to where you can start to self self become more self-aware, self-actualize, mm-hmm. and then figure out ways to manage it. And then you can come off of the medication because now you're in the space where you can manage it on your own. Um, but that's one thing. Um, I also have um, carved out time. Um, I set a boundary for myself because I work a lot um, that I have a cutoff time. And no matter how I feel about what I could be doing, I disconnect from work. Um, I, I walk out of my office, I go and I do something completely different, whether that's watching TV, whether, you know, that's um, taking an extra shower, reading, scrolling through social media, talking to, you know, one of my loved ones. Um, another big thing that I notice helps with my anxiety and just mental health. Um, in general, is exercise. Um, I was doing fitness boxing, and it was doing way more for me than I thought. Because um, at first, I was like, "Oh, you know, I'm gonna go in here. I'm gonna get mm. fit. I'm gonna lose. A, I'm gonna lose a few pounds and be a little summertime fine." You know, but um, <laughs> it actually had way more benefits for my mental and emotional health than it did, you know, as far as the, that external and physical um, aspect of it, like as far as the motivations of it. Um, so now, you know, I stopped going because it was so far away and I'm not waking up four o'clock in the morning to go work out, to come all the way back home, get dressed and then go to work. So, um, I'm looking. So now I found a place that's closer to where I live. So I'll be able to easily go to a morning class, get back home, shower, and then go to work. Um, so I'll be starting that back up soon. Um, you know, journaling, um, listening to music is a very big one for me. Always. Um, yes. <laughs> and um, and humming. Humming is very um, soothing for me. I don't know why. And it's nothing like a partic- no particular song or anything like that, but literally just humming um, helps me. Oh, my God. Um, I'm yeah. sorry. To- <laughs> Friend, okay. I just read um, a research study on freaking humming, and now I want to go and look up who that was. But anyway, long story short, it was actually about humming and freaking anxiety. It yes. just quiets the, it quiets the mind pretty much. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, sidebar, if you think about it, Think about if we, we've had schizophrenic patients, catatonic mm-hmm. or not, oftentimes mm-hmm. if they're hearing, if they're having auditory hallucinations, mm-hmm. sometimes they're humming. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, like quiet the voices. And yeah. so I think doing that like inherently is something that could come up when dealing with anxiety because it feels like music. Mm-hmm. It's just. Yeah. yeah. So and, and, I, and I, I never yeah, never knew that. And I've been doing it like pretty much my whole life. Like I would just hum. And I think part of it might be um self-soothing. Self-soothing, but uh may have come from my grandmother, you know, because mm. my grandmother, she's a strong Christian woman. Um and all she did was listen to <laughs> Why um, you had to say it like that. I don't know, but I had to. <laughs> um <laughs> but she um <laughs> <laughs> but she um uh, only listened to gospel music and you know she would hum a lot and I maybe I picked that up from her but from a very young age um it came more um prominent um during my um like uh 
high school, early adult years. And I just started doing it and it, it, it is self-soothing. Um, and it also kind of makes me feel, makes me feel a little um, more spiritually connected in those moments as well. Mm-hmm. Um to her and to God. Um, but um, in addition to that, um, journaling, um, but the biggest things for the biggest part for me is really just constantly reaffirming and validating myself that it's okay to carve out time just for me to do whatever it is that I want to do, whether that's yep. absolutely nothing or whether that's going for a walk, whether that's FaceTiming my friend or sitting on the phone with my with my sister for an hour and a half talking about all different types of things or, you know, even sometimes sitting in silence, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. um, to to gather my thoughts. Um, but yeah, that's 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 my piece. Those are some great skills. I definitely feel like I rushed through minds. Listen, y'all, I second everything that Demetrix said. Do it all. Well, <laughs> do it works. You know? Ditto. <laughs> Ditto. All of, yes, whatever works for you. And um, and I'm so glad Rodney said that because one thing to note is that, you know, there are thousands of coping skills and they're not mm-hmm. a one size fit all situation. So something that works for Rodney may not work for me and vice versa. So find your things that work for you and put it yeah. in your toolbox because your toolbox of coping skills is going to look different um, than the person next to you. Right. And the toolbox is that it's a, it's tools. So something that may have worked for you a little while ago, you may need a new tool down the line mm-hmm. or you may need to sharpen that tool. You may need to work on it again and see, okay, this has worked before. Maybe I need to kind of kick it back into gear because oftentimes our tools get a bit rusty. Like we can use working right. out as an example, you know, falling off of it. When you first start again, that shit can be, it can be overwhelming. It can make mm-hmm. you feel, you know, less than your lot. It's like a lot of judging, a lot mm-hmm. more anxiety with just even starting again. Mm-hmm. So keeping those things in mind are important when you're like kind of getting back into the groove of utilizing some of your coping skills. Mm-hmm. Another thing about medication is that, especially when you're trying to reach stabilization, medication becomes ineffective if it's not paired with therapy because mm-hmm. you're not learning the coping skills. Listen very closely, yes. y'all. <laughs> if you start to take medication, great. You know that if that works for you, then it works for you. The other side of this is without the utilization of therapy, you're just putting a Band-Aid over it. Or exactly. without the utilization of learning coping skills, you're just putting a Band-Aid. And so rather than doing that, you want to move through a healing process where you also exactly. have tools that when this comes up, let's say you already took your medication for the morning, you still have an anxiety attack by the afternoon. What are you going to do? Right? right. You it's can't important pop another that, pill. <laughs> exactly. You definitely shouldn't be. And so let's be very clear about that. And right. I'm not even about to um, hold y'all with that one. Like, this is not me sugarcoating anything. Don't pop another pill. Use a coping right. skill. Exactly. Use a coping skill. Exactly. So. And then and then another piece is um, you know, ultimately, you know, you always you want to have a, a toolbox or an arsenal of coping skills because mm-hmm. they're going to be contingent upon your environment. So let's say mm-hmm. swimming mm-hmm. is one of your coping skills, but you at work in a board meeting, you can't go run and jump in no damn pool. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you need to figure out, you know, you have your coping skills for different situations at different environments. So, mm-hmm. you know, like going running or, you know, anything that you don't have access to in a specific environment, then although those are effective coping skills, they're not effective in that moment. So you need to find the things that are effective based on your environment. Based on the moment, um, right. Yeah. And another one that I didn't say real quick and then we can move on is chewing gum. 
Chewing gum helps me. Now, I'm not saying chewing gum, you know, and popping it, you know, doing the, um, <laughs> the you know, doing, you know, you know, the extraness in, in chewing mm-hmm. gum, but basically just chewing it because um, that's very helpful for me. And I've been using that one for for years on top of years. And, you know, it's just it, it helps that movement almost kind of like it's like the use of a stress ball. Like kind of focusing mm-hmm. all of that energy or that tension into one thing versus it all kind of floated through your mind and chewing gum does that for me as well. Um, okay. So I think, you know, when you're looking at your coping skills, it's important. So what Demetric was talking about earlier versus like those coping skills that are based on the environment, how I like to differentiate them. We're going to do a little vocabulary here, guys, is coping skills, long-term those are the things that we are able to go running, go swimming, go journaling in that in a little bit or or take a nap. And then you have your grounding, which are the more immediate and more accessible things that you would use. Deep breathing, having a drink of water, taking a moment to step out of a room, taking a breath, coming back in, things like that. Um, that can be effective a little bit more quickly and help you move through a moment. And then later on, you can top it off with that deeper coping skill to help you complete the moment of rest, if that makes sense. Yes. Perfect sense for it. Yes. And um, I was going to say something else about, oh, you mentioned chewing gum. Um, I love that coping skill. I don't think I've ever thought of it, but also I'm a little bit nervous about that one because I feel like I might like bite my lip or something but it's something i'll try (laughs) it's something i'll definitely give a try um because i don't throw a coping skill out the window until i try (laughs) right and then so the so the key is with it like if i'm in my everyday life like let's say i'm going to the grocery store i'm running an errand whatever the case may be and i'm chewing gum then i just chew it regularly now, if mm-hmm. I'm in a setting where, you know, like let's say I'm in a meeting, an in-person meeting, um, attending a meeting where it is not, um, quote unquote, proper etiquette to chew gum in a professional setting, then mm-hmm. I chew slower and less um, um, exaggerated. And when I say less exaggerated, I'm not saying that I'm just I'm just out in the streets when I'm regular, just chewing it and smacking and popping. But you know how you just chew gum in the regular way that you chew mm-hmm. gum, like just a steady, consistent motion. But when I'm in like a setting where you know it could be frowned upon if I was to chew gum, then I still keep it, but I will just um, lessen the intensity of how I'm biting down on it, but still biting mm-hmm. on it enough to know that it's still there, but not exaggerated or rapidly, but just enough to, you know, basically okay. um, the way that I chew sense. it in a professional setting is based on how, um, how um, calm I'm trying to be. So if I want my energy to be balanced, then I'm going to chew it a little more slowly Slower. with intention. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's so your chewing gum is my bringing a cup of tea to a work meeting or something if I'm like getting anxious or anything. Yes, because, yes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Oh, here's a um another coping skill that I have given to other people in the past, and I've used way way far in the past. But blowing bubbles it just helps regulate your breathing, especially when you're dealing mm-hmm. with it a long term anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not just a, in the moment, but you've been kind of anxious for a few days. Which you know because your body feels it. So, mm. yeah. 
Yeah, okay. I'm so glad you okay, said that because I know because I, I have one that is like the very top of my list and I'm surprised I did not say it at all. But deep breathing, that is oh, yeah. a very mm-hmm. helpful one. Um, <clears throat> There's so many different ways to do it. But the one that I do is I usually inhale through my nose until I can't take in any more air. And then I exhale through my mouth until all of the air has been released. And it's nothing exaggerated. So my shoulders are not going up super hard and falling down. And so people don't know that to other people looking, it looks like I'm like I'm just breathing, but I know that I'm intentionally doing a breathing technique um, to help calm me down. And mm-hmm. then another part of that is really asking myself, okay, so what's going on with me right now? Once I, I do that and I ground myself, okay, why am I feeling anxious? And then I go in and then I dispute and say, okay, well, that's a, that's a fear. That's not even something that I can, yeah. that, that's not even a, um, a fact. You know what I'm saying? This is just how I'm mm-hmm. feeling and then go from there. But yeah. Okay. That was my last, my last two cents on that. (laughs) Uh, No worries. We're going to have, we literally have some more room with this last question I want to ask you. So what recommendations or feedback would you have for someone um, that's experiencing anxiety that negatively impacts them in their everyday life? Ooh. Okay. So go to therapy. That's always going to be my first, my first statement. Go get you a therapist. Um, But really Mm -hmm. what's important for me is to understand um, is to become more self-aware and understand your triggers and your stressors. What situations, what things will lead your anxiety to spike? So if you are aware of those things, then you can prepare yourself. Like if I know I'm going into a, a meeting where I have to present, you know, uh, data on my project, yada, 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 in front of, you know, uh, VPs or, you know, upper level management that before then, okay, I'm going to wake up early in the morning. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to shower, then meditate um, so that I can prepare myself for for that um, so that I can help manage my anxiety uh, with those type of situations. Um, You know, avoid um, now. People are going to be like, wait a minute now, I'm not going to stop drinking and stuff, but be very mindful of the substances that you put in your body, uh, which could be caffeine. Um, You know, it could be, you know, something not something under the counter <laughs> um, or it could even be um, alcohol because a lot of those things can impact your anxiety. So you want to be conscious of what you're putting in your body. Um, and then, like I said, a big part of it is knowing your triggers and your stressors and then creating that arsenal of coping skills to help you get through the different situations that like Rade say said, you know, focus on, you know, long-term coping skills versus environmental coping skills, meaning the ones that you can only use in certain settings. Um, what about you, friend? What are you? Oh, and then, um, and lastly, utilize your support system. Talk about mm-hmm. it, communicate it. One thing that I've learned is, um, so you have your support system, which could be family, friends, you know, whomever. But you know, talk to your family members about what you're experiencing to see where it comes from. You know what I mean? Because sometimes, you know, when you um, talk to your family members about things that you're experiencing, um, you may learn that you know you're not the only one. And for some reason that helps you feel that you're not alone in it. You know what I mean? Or you're not struggling with something alone. And then now you have another ally in your journey that who, um, who will understand, you know, um, and this is kind of unrelated to anxiety, but the reason that I said, you know, talk to your family and things like that is because, you know, I, my mom was explaining, um, we were talking about my great grandfather, 
paternal great-grandfather and um how he has these dimples like right here y'all can't see what i'm pointing to but right they can like but right on my <laughs> brow like in between my eyebrows there's like dimples there so depending on um so most people may say it's rbf but the slightest move in my brow it, it because of those dimples it makes me look like i'm angry <laughs> all the time and i'm really not angry I'm not an angry person, but, you know, but I never knew why that was. And then after talking to my mom, I realized where it came from. It's genetic. And I got it from my great grandfather and it was passed down. So all I'm saying is learn your history. Have some of these conversations with your family. Figure out where this comes from. You know what I'm saying? And at the end of the day, because mental health is not something that is, is, is talked about in the Black community and still highly stigmatized, you may have a family member who going through the same thing that you're going through and think that there's just something wrong with them or it's only them and they're not speaking up on it, but you talking to your family about some of these things will most likely open the door for future conversations and also may help one of your family members realize like, well, hey, well, damn, I think I got anxiety too. Okay, well, let me, you know, ask, you know, Demetri, but let me ask for our day, like, what do you do um, to manage yours or what, how, where can I start my journey to manage this, et cetera, et cetera. So retweet to everything that you just said, friend. I second all of that. I'm going to talk about a few things, y'all, and then echo um, some of the things that Demetrix said um, that I just hold so true that um, I just feel are important to repeat just in case you missed it. So (laughs) first thing thing is go to therapy. Go, just go. It's not going to hurt you. Let's normalize taking your ass to therapy. And if you're listening to this and thinking that you would like to be a therapist and just considering some options, y'all know what, if y'all need to just have some additional conversations about this, maybe, maybe reach us, maybe ask us some questions, see if if this is, could be the right feel for you. But this is also going to be a call to action for any minority out there that if you are considering becoming a, a therapist or an, any person in the field of social services, um, talk to us because this is a call to action to you. But okay, first thing is therapy. Next, wake up and ground. So a morning routine slash a ritual. If you can wake up and make up your bed. Nice. If you could wake up and make up your bed, if you could wake up and um, just show some gratitude for what you have or, you know, or just, you know, if you're spiritual saying, hey, the spirit. Being thankful for your dogs, if you got any, mm-hmm. you know, your people, mm-hmm. do that. Um, acknowledge those warning signs. Acknowledge those triggers or distress signals. So um, understand what your triggers are, which are the things that typically activate feeling very overwhelmed. But then also understand your warning signs, which are the symptoms that we started to talk about earlier, which are, um, you know, that fatigue, the headaches, all of those things that's taking you deeper into anxiety those are your warning signs to help you say, okay, because I'm feeling this, I can plug in a coping skill right here rather than mm-hmm. allowing this perpe- to perpetuate. Um, also, nighttime routines. So if you could develop a nighttime routine that involves less phone use or screen time in general, mm-hmm. um, that could also be helpful to the insomnia or um, the sleep disturbances, uh, sleeping four hours, waking up, going back to sleep or having a hard time doing that. Um, that means taking a nice shower, making sure you're putting on calming music, being intentional about what's happening around the time of sleep. So your body is actually shutting down rather than getting hype because you might have more things to do, um, the next day. Um, 
again, avoiding caffeine and paying attention to if you're increasing use of any substances at all. Um, that could be another warning sign to you, but also it makes it worse. Um, it makes it a lot worse. It increases the anxiety because again, this is like another Band-Aid. This is a form of self-medicating, okay? Um, and we want to be cognizant of that because it puts you in the position to not be able to cope because your body is now becoming used to the substance or medication. So this is increase of medication use, um, un, unprescribed uh, and, and so forth. Um, use affirmations, y'all like honor yourselves, talk to yourselves. And I know it sounds crazy, yes. but do some mirror work, you know, remind yourself that you got you and that you can trust yourself to move through this and that you've moved through anxiety before you can do it again. Um, but being able to come back to yourself is going to be important because oftentimes, well, anxiety is always about the unknown. It's about, it's about worry. And so being able to come back to the present and ground yourself and knowing that you got you is important. Last thing I will say is support systems, increase trust and connection with the people that you love and care about because you're not alone. And, you know, you can pour back into yourself, but it's also nothing like some TLC from somebody that you actually care about and that, you know, cares about you and that they're not judging you through this moment of anxiety, even though the fears are irrational. You know, they can understand the fears as well because they've probably dealt with that shit too. Or they just need to be present for you and they they know how to do that. So let them. So that's what I got. Love that. Hashtag retweet all of that. But one thing I wanted to talk say again, um, re-echo what my, my good friend Rade just said, is about the positive affirmations. Those go a long way. So two things about that. First, um, we talked about this before, but I don't know whoever saw the um, TV, the BET show, Being Mary Jane with Gabrielle Union. <laughs> and you remember, she, yes, all the posts. So I actually have two, four, eight posts on my bathroom mirror in my in my room. Um, I'm not gonna put y'all out of my business because you find your own. But um, <laughs> one of <laughs> one of them um, is I will um, allow myself to be more vulnerable. I will allow myself to receive love. I am deserving of love. Those different things. Now, the one thing I want to say about positive affirmations um, that I tell my clients all the time. Now, when you're in the midst of a mental health episode, which could be anxiety, depression, whatever the case may be, then we tend to use you know, coping skills, positive affirmations, which is what you're supposed to do. But the one thing about positive affirmations is you want to be doing those even when you're not in an episode. Not mm-hmm. just when you're in an episode, because they'll have more impact if you're doing them regardless of what you're going through. So mm-hmm. do them every day. Like if you, if they're on your mirror or they're on your phone, repeat them to yourselves every day, regardless of what you're going through. So that way, when you are going through an episode, there's a stronger foundation of you actually believing those positive affirmations when you're in those spaces. Yeah, agreed. I mean, there are a number of things that I had said on here that I think you should probably be doing every day. That nighttime routine, that morning routine, those affirmations, leaning into support. Those are things that you want to do on a regular basis because you want them to become a part of your very regular life, normalized life. You know, you don't want to just utilize those things when you're in need. Those are things that keep you grounded and reduce the anxiety overall. Period. And so if you can do that in life at all, do it. Well said, friend. Well said, friend. So now let's move on to our earth lesson of the week. Anxiety may be a challenge for you, but it does not define who you are as a person. 
Remember to breathe, trust yourself, and don't let your anxiety control you. And in the famous words of Maya Angelou, you may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. Respectfully, a melanated therapist. All right, fam. Remember to follow us on Instagram at respectfullymt and send your questions and topic requests to respectfullymt at gmail.com. Until next time, fam. Peace, y'all. Respectfully. 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 A melanated therapist.